0: Is there a giant lurking behind the scenes, threatening to steal your joy? Discover how to banish fear and worry when you read Slaying the Giants in Your Life by Dr. David Jeremiah. This best-selling book is yours when you make a donation to Turning Point. For a gift of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, study guide, CD or DVD album, and more. And this month only, for just $60, you can receive this set immediately as a digital kit. Learn more and donate online at davidjeremiah.ca. Like carrying extra body weight, you can get so used to carrying resentment that you forget it's there, yet it's slowly killing you. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at the insidious danger of holding on to bitterness, danger you might not be aware of until it's too late. Listen now as David introduces the conclusion of his important message, Slaying the Giant of Resentment. I have uh, interacted with a lot of people
1: in the years that I've been on planet Earth. And as a pastor, many, many years of interviews and discussions. Um, Sometimes they happen in my office uh, in in a formal interview, but most often they happen on the campus, sometimes in restaurants, seated at the counter. That happened to me this week. And uh, we talk about things, and a lot of times things come up that have to do with resentment. I've talked to so many people who, years and years ago, somebody did something to them, and they're still harboring it, they still resent it, and they still can't forgive. Often it's in a marriage situation, sometimes in a work situation. And I hope you will listen carefully to what we say about the dangers of resentment and how to overcome it and get victory over it in your life. We'll get there in just a moment. But first, if you haven't ordered the book that goes with this radio series, let me encourage you to do it. Ask for it when you send your gift to Turning Point sometime during the rest of the month of February. That's how it works. Send a gift of any size. We're not going to specify. We want you to do the best you can. Do what you can to help us as we share this word from this place to other places. But whatever your gift, if you simply say, please send me the Giants book, it'll be on its way to you before you know it. Thank you for your input and investment in Turning Point. And now, let's get started with part two of Slaying the Giant of Resentment. How many times do people get eaten alive by the bitter anger and acid of resentment? Well, Lewis Meads has written the definitive book on forgiveness in my estimation. It is a book that I have read several times because it is so wonderfully illustrated. The book is called Forgive and Forget. In his book, Lewis Meads reviews a play which illustrates the power of resentment like no story I have ever read. Hermann Engel was a German general in World War II and was sentenced to 30 years in prison for atrocities committed by his army. He survived his sentence, and in the play, he was released from prison. At the time of the play, he is in Alsace building a cabin in the woods where he and his wife intend to live out their years incognito, forgotten, and at peace, In the story, there's a man by the name of Morio, who is a French journalist, and he's waiting in the wings. You see, Morio's whole family was massacred by Engel's troops during the war. And when the Nuremberg court had refused to sentence Engel to death for his war crimes, Morio had sentenced Engel to death in his own heart and determined to carry out the sentence in his first opportunity. His condemnation was kept alive by the hot fire of hate that he kept kindling in his heart. Now the time had come in the play. Morio had stoked up the fanatics in the village close to Engel's cabin. That very night, they were going to come up the hill, burn down the cabin, and shoot Engel and his wife to death. But there were a couple of things that Morio hadn't quite figured out. There were some empty spaces in his understanding of what had actually happened in the war. So as a journalist, he decided to go up the hill to the cabin where Engel and his wife were living and ask them some questions the afternoon before they were going to be killed. So up the hill he went and he introduced himself and told Ingle who he was. Engel was quite shaken and that afternoon, Morio spent grilling the former general about all the village massacres that lay like a forgotten shadow in Engel's past but ingles feeble humanity confused morio he couldn't quite figure out what was going on and he was having a hard time putting all the pieces of the terrible story together his hatred and his vengeance began to be blurred and the purity of his hate was contaminated by what he saw in this old feeble man toward the end of the afternoon Muriel blurted out to Ingel that the villages were going to come that night and kill him. And he offered to lead Ingel out of the woods and save his life. Ingel paused and he said, I'll go with you on one condition. And Muriel thought, what is this guy? Is he mad? What kind of conditions do you give for being saved from being killed? What condition, he said. And Engel says I'll go with you If you will forgive me forgive Muriel had exterminated Engel a thousand times in ways of hate that played in his mind for 30 years Face to face with this man's humanity Muriel was unsettled in his vengeance He could save the man's life. He would cancel the execution but forgive him never and that night the enraged villagers came with sacks over their heads burned the cabin and shot Engel and his wife dead now I ask you why was forgiving even harder than saving Engels life and here is the core truth it was too much for Morio to forgive him because his hatred had become a passion so long indulged in his life that Muriel could not live without his hatred. His soul could no longer be the person that he was without his hatred. His hate did not belong to him. He belonged to his hate. And the tragedy was that only forgiveness, the one thing that he could not give to Engel, could set Muriel free. But he could not do it because his hate had become who he was yes there's a price to pay for resentment and far too often the bill is not received until emotional bankruptcy has set in so while there is still time if you harbor resentment against someone if you're holding a grudge in your heart against a family member or somebody you work with if you have in your heart a bitterness and resentment that you have not dealt with Why don't you decide today while there is still time by the grace of God? I am going to deal with this resentment before it deals with me You say pastor jeremiah, how do we do it? Let me just give you some ideas Here's how you can deal with your resentment number one Think it through Think it through Do you know why most people harbor resentment against others? It's very documented in all of the research that I've done. They do it because it gives them a sense of superiority over the person that they hate. It makes them feel as if they are the decent one being wrongfully treated by an obviously inferior person. They enjoy fantasizing their plots of revenge. They spend their days reviewing what was done to them, retelling the story every time they get a chance. Each time the story is repeated, it is more deeply etched into their mind. Someone has said that resentment gives us two things, neurotic pleasure and religious pride. Think it through. Is this what you were doing? Is it worth it to enjoy this sordid pleasure and risk your own health? And after you think it through, I want you to do something else. I want you to write it down. You say, what am I supposed to write down? I want you to write down why you are filled with resentment. Oftentimes when talking with people who say they have anger and resentment in their spirit, when you try to ask them why, they can't really crystallize it in any clear definition. So if you're filled with resentment, write it down. And let me tell you what you'll discover. When you write it down on paper and read it out loud, it will sound a lot different than it sounds in the echoes of your mind. You will discover that what you read out loud is not exactly correspondent with what you've been thinking in your mind and dealing with in your heart. Something happens when you crystallize thinking to words. Words are very exact and it is very definite when you get all done. And when you get done writing it all out, read it out loud to yourself and then put it away for a few days and come back to it again. And you might want to start the little writing experience like this. I am filled with resentment because and then write it out. It's interesting what happens when you get honest about your feelings. I Always have loved Charlie Shedd's writings. One occasion he and his wife had had a big fight. When he came home there was a note to him on the refrigerator. It said, Dear Charlie, I hate you. Love Martha. Hmm. Be just that honest. Then number three, after you think it through and write it down, I want you to work it out. Now stay with me here. A man who had been married for 50 years to the same woman was asked the secret of their marital bliss. Well, he said it's kind of like this. When the wife and I got married, we made an agreement that whenever she was bothered about something, she would just tell me off and get it out of her system. And if I ever got mad at her about something, I would take a walk. He said, I guess you can attribute our marital success to the fact that I have largely led an outdoor life. (laughs) I'm not suggesting that you can overpower anger with exercise. Please don't think I'm becoming psychological here, but there is some evidence that exercise is helpful in dealing with strong emotions and exercise takes the edge off of anger and gives it an outlet and keeps it from building up a backlog of pressure just put it in there and think it through number four you need to talk it over and I want to tell you who to talk it over with I don't know your friends the only one I know that you know is the Lord God himself so I'm going to recommend that you talk it over with him that you take it to the Lord in prayer Maybe you should read to the Lord what you wrote down on your paper. Maybe you should say, Lord God, I want to tell you why I am filled with resentment. Here's the reason. And read what you put down on paper. You say, do you actually say stuff like that to Almighty God? Absolutely. Don't you think he already knows it? I mean, it's not going to be any big surprise. But it's going to be very helpful to you to express to him what you really feel in your heart, and begin to deal with the issue of forgiveness. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 15 that we referred to earlier, in the front part of the verse, there's a very interesting reference to the grace of God. It says, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. How many of you know that when you have resentment in your heart, the one thing you need more than anything else to deal with it is grace. You need God's grace. You need to come to God and ask him for the grace that he alone can give you to enable you to deal with that which has been done to hurt you. I read a story about two men who were traveling through the jungles in Burma. One of them was a missionary. The other was just visiting the land. In order to get to their destination, they had to cross a little body of water. And when they came up on the other side, the young man who was the visitor was covered with leeches. His torso and his legs were just covered with leeches. Instinctively, when he got up on the bank of the river, he he reached down and was going to pull them out. And, And the missionary said, don't do that. If you pull them out, suddenly, he said, the piece of the leech that entered your skin will stay under the skin and it will get infected and you will be in worse shape than you were before. He said, what am I going to do? He said, you need to get a balsam bath and soak yourself in the bath. And the warmth of soaking yourself in the bath will cause those leeches to unhook themselves and then you will be free. And as I thought about that, I was reminded of the leech of resentment, how it embeds itself into your heart. And sometimes you can't just say, well, I'm gonna not do that anymore. It doesn't work, does it? But I'll tell you what does work. When you bathe in the grace of Almighty God, when you sit down deep in the grace of God who has forgiven you every sin you have ever committed, when you begin to ponder what God has done for you, when you consider his grace in your behalf, and you begin to enumerate all the things that God has done in forgiving you, and you take a bath in the grace of God, all of a sudden you begin to have the power inwardly to deal with the resentments that have built up in your heart you see we forgive other people with the forgiveness wherewith we ourselves have been forgiven that's the message of the word of God we can forgive because God has forgiven us if you have not accepted the forgiveness of almighty God for your sin then it will be very hard for you to forgive someone else. But if you're a Christian here today and Almighty God has forgiven you for all of your sin, out of the reservoir of His forgiveness for you, there is always enough forgiveness to reach out to the people who have harmed you in any way. So you begin to talk it over with the Lord. And as you talk it over with the Lord, you begin to tell Him how grateful you are for His forgiving you. And you begin to understand that His forgiveness of you is the grace that He imparts to you to forgive others as well. And then finally, when you've talked it over with the Lord, you give it up. You give it up. You don't hang on to it, you give it up. Two little boys were quarreling one day. They had this big fight, Johnny and Bobby. Johnny said, I ain't never playing with Him anymore. I'm so mad at him, I don't ever want to see his face again. The next morning, he got up, got his baseball glove, and put his hat on, and was going out the door and His mother, who remembered what he had said the day before, she said, "Johnny, I can't believe it you're going to play with Bobby. I thought you said you were never play with him again. He said, "Oh me, and Bobby's good forgetters <laughs> That's what we need to be, isn't it? We need to be good forgetters. We carry grudges because we determined to Clara Barton founder of the American Red Cross was once reminded of an especially cruel thing that someone had done to her years before but she didn't seem to recall it and her friend said don't you remember it and Clara Barton said no I distinctly remember forgetting it hmm. Hmm. did you know that the only part of the Lord's Prayer that is repeated is the part about forgiveness. Did you know that? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And clear at the end, as an addendum to the prayer, is this statement from Matthew that says, If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. God's method of giving up our resentments is through forgiveness. The Bible tells us that we're to love our enemies and bless those that curse us and do good to those that hate us and pray for those that despitefully use us and persecute us. And then it says, if we do this, we will demonstrate that we are truly the children of Almighty God. Like father, like son. Because God has forgiven us all of these things that are listed in this verse. When we forgive others who have done those things to us, we demonstrate that we belong to him. We have the traits of the father in us. And it's the only way you can explain some of the forgivenesses that I've heard about. People who have been abused and hurt and wounded and sinned against. And yet, when they bathe in the wonderful grace and forgiveness of Almighty God, they find the reservoir of strength that comes from Him. And as He, as their Father, has forgiven them, they become like their Father as His child, and they forgive others. That's how you get rid of resentment. Be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Do you see it? All of us have read some of the stories about Corrie Ten Boom. I was in her homeland and saw the place where she grew up. I've always been interested in her life. She was a great woman. After she was released from prison where she and her sister had been in Ravensbrook, her sister actually died in that prison Her father died in another concentration camp. And when she got out of the Nazi prison, she determined that she was going to travel all over Germany and that her main mission for the rest of her life was going to be to preach forgiveness. Because she knew that Germany was filled with many Jewish people who had been so brutally damaged that they would end up continuing the damage through their own hatred of those who had hurt them. And so she went... Preaching forgiveness everywhere she went. That was her only message. She said that one Sunday morning she was in Munich and a man came forward to greet her and she recognized him immediately. She remembered how she and the other women prisoners were forced to take showers while this man who had come up to her after the service had ogled and taunted her in her naked helplessness. The man standing before her had also taken great joy in his cruelty of Betsy, Cory Ten Boom's sister. He spoke. He said, Ja, Fraulein, it is wonderful that Jesus forgives all our sins, just as you say. You mentioned Ravensbrook. I was a guard there, but since then I have become a Christian. I know that God has forgiven me, but I would like to hear it from you as well. Fraulein, Will you forgive me? And Corey said she stood there paralyzed. She couldn't forgive. Betsy had died at the hands of this man. She herself had been humiliated. At the same time, she said, I was so ashamed that I could preach so fervently about forgiveness and immediately after my sermon be confronted with something I couldn't forgive. And so she said, I did what only I could ever do in a situation like that. She said, I looked up to heaven to almighty God and I said, oh God, forgive me because I can't forgive. And she said immediately she began to feel the sense of God's forgiveness of her. And she said, I don't even remember how it happened but I felt my hand go up to reach out to the hand of this man. And I reached out and shook his hand and I said, you are forgiven. And immediately, the SS general was set free. And Corey Tenboom said, but that's not all. I felt the burden lift off of me. And I was set free. God has given to us, my friends, this wonderful privilege of forgiveness. And when we forgive resentment goes away and i need to tell you that if you have not ever accepted the forgiveness of almighty god for your sin you will have a very difficult time finding within yourself the grace to forgive someone else it's only as we truly understand that we are sinners against almighty god and that he has in his grace reached down through his son the lord jesus christ and given us life everlasting and forgiven us of our sin, as we begin to understand that he has done that for us, then out of that we can do it for others. But it starts, first of all, with accepting his forgiveness for your sin and asking him to become your Savior. Now, my friend, if you're in doubt as to whether or not you've offended God, let me just assure you that your unwillingness to let him rule over your life is an affront to him because he created you and he loves you and he has paid a dear price for you. You know, sometimes I think we don't understand that our active or passive rebellion against God is a great sin in God's eyes. But when we come to him and submit to him and ask God to forgive us, he does it freely, unconditionally, eternally. And then out of that forgiveness, we can deal with the resentments we face in our own lives. Amen. Amen. You know, I watch the news every day, as most of you do, and I'm often reminded of what the Bible teaches about pride. Pride is the basic, ultimate sin. Pride is what caused Satan to rebel against God and started this whole process that we're living through right now. And pride, the unwillingness to admit that you've done wrong I mean, we see that every day on television. We have a lot of wrong things going on right now. Nobody wants to say, I made a mistake. You actually hear them say, I have no regrets. I have no problems. And uh, when you see that, you realize how, how deeply embedded pride has gotten into our national psyche and how it's ruining everything. You see it's ruining our country. But friends, that's not the worst. The worst is it'll ruin you if you let it stay in your life, if you don't deal with it. Humble yourself before God, acknowledge what you've done or what has happened, and get beyond it, get past it, and let God use it and grow from it. But don't live there, because if you live there, it will totally take you out of the game. And I pray that you hear me carefully and take action if this is happening in your life. Well, tomorrow, another issue. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about how to deal with doubt. You know, some people think that if you have doubts about your faith, that means you're not a Christian. Oh, no. We'll talk about that tomorrow when we get together. I hope you will come and join us as we sit around the table together and talk about these issues. Don't forget we're going to Alaska in July. You can find out all about it on our website, davidjeremiah.org. Some special guests are coming. We're going to have a great time. I hope you can join us. We'll see you tomorrow.
0: The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. How are you being encouraged by this ministry? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Slaying the Giants in Your Life. And learn how to banish the giants from the promised land of your life. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue slaying the giants in your life on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca/jsb.
1: Augustine, the early church father, is credited with saying, All truth is God's truth. The Bible is the first place we turn to to discover God's truth. But truth can be discovered in many places, some of them unexpected. For example, Jesus said the true praise of God can come from the mouths of babes and infants. God once spoke through a donkey, and Jesus said that even the stones were capable of speaking the truth. Yes, some of those examples are figures of speech, but they make a point. We need to recognize when God is speaking to us, verified by Scripture, from an unexpected source. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's truth on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.